Hey, we are in a season, in, in a season, we're in a series called Taste and See. Look under your seat. There is some candy under your seat again. I know. Listen, this is, look, you're going to enjoy this series, okay? Uh, listen. All right, what'd you get? Anybody get a turtle? Anybody get a turtle? Come on, turtle. Got some turtle fans in the house? Okay, how about three musketeers? Anybody get them three musketeers? Yeah, 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 yeah. How about Almond Joy? Oh, can I get an amen? Okay. I don't know if you've noticed, but I like some peanuts. I like nuts in my candy. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Anybody like coconut? Yeah. Now, if you don't like yours, you can, tra- you can trade. Okay. We're in this series called Taste and See. We're working out of this verse. Psalms chapter 34, verse 8. It says this, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys who take refuge in him. Now, a huge part of tasting and seeing is experiencing, okay? We have to experience to know what we are tasting and seeing. Psalms 34 verse 8 in the, in the Passion says this, drink deeply of the pleasures of God. Experience for yourself. I love that language, experience for yourself. Until you experience something, you don't know if you have a taste for it. Until you experience it, you don't know if you like or enjoy something, okay? So a huge part that Jesus wants for us is for us to experience him and experience his goodness. One of the things my boys have to learn is how to experience my goodness as a father. And once they've experienced my goodness as a father, their level of trust for me as a father rises. It's the same way in the kingdom of God. When we experience Jesus, when we experience his love, when we experience his joy, when we experience him, it gives us a taste for the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? It brings a hunger and a desire in our heart for him. So when we experience him, it then brings us to a place where we change and we convert our thinking, okay? And this word convert, I looked it up, the word convert means this, to cause a change in form, character, or function. goes on to say to change, uh, alter, modify, rebuild. I love this word, re-educate. Love that. And then it also says this, to change alliances, okay? So when we experience the things of God, it helps us to change our thinking. And when we change our thinking, it reshapes who we are inside and out. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 through 14, it says this, For he, Jesus, has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Other translation says he's transferred us out of darkness into the kingdom of light. Once you lived in darkness, but then he rescues us and takes us into the kingdom of light. Verse 14, who purchased us for our freedom, forgave our sins. Okay. A major part of experiencing the goodness of God is Jesus rescuing us out of the kingdom of darkness. Okay. And a huge part of us being rescued out of the kingdom of darkness is Jesus rescuing us from ourselves. Can I get an amen? 
He's got to rescue us from ourselves and rescue us from what we talked about last week, inferior thinking. He's got to take us from thinking that we we process in the kingdom of darkness. Because, listen, the world thinks very different than the kingdom of God, if you haven't noticed yet. Okay? The Bible was not written from an American standpoint. It's not written from a Western point of view. The Bible's written in a kingship idea that Jesus is the king and we are surrendered to the king. And as he is king of kings and lord of lords, he will help reshape our thinking so that we process from the kingdom of light, not the kingdom of darkness. Now, the problem is a lot of times we spend more time in the kingdom of darkness than we do in the kingdom of light. Jesus is rescuing us from inferior thinking. He's helping us to change alliances, okay? Because we have to understand sometimes our thinking is in alliance with the kingdom of darkness, right? There are times, listen, there's times when the car breaks down and the first thing you think is, dang it, how are we going to pay for this? Kingdom of darkness. It's not, no, God's good. He saw this. He knew this moment. He knows exactly where I'm at, and he knows exactly how to take care of me because he's a good father, and I know he will take care of all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Amen? So we have to realign our thinking with the kingdom of heaven. Now, one of the biggest shifts to be made in the life of a believer, okay? And let's talk about this word for a second. Believer. That is the goal and the desire of Elevate Church, is for us to become mature believers in Christ Jesus. Okay? I'm not, listen, a a lot of times the goal in churches will get somebody to say a prayer, we'll baptize them, and we'll call it good. Okay? I mean, that's, that's kind of the focus in church in 2018. It's like how they take stats in church now. I don't think the kingdom of God takes stats that way. I think the kingdom of God goes, yes, I want you to make a decision for Christ. That's a huge step. Yes, I want you to get baptized. That's a huge step. But the next step is to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ, to become a believer in Jesus. Chris Vallotton put up that picture, posted this this week, and I thought it was so good, so rich. He said, the 21st century church has become increasingly obsessed with being popular. Being popular. Church is more concerned about how many followers we have on social media, how many likes we have for the message, how popular can we be in culture. He said this, to the point of changing the gospel to make a palatable, powerless philosophy that requires no life change of the believer. Listen, we are not a works-driven church. But we do believe that the grace of God empowers us to overcome sin and death. Amen? The grace of God empowers us to be more than we could ever be in our own flesh. So what is a believer? It is not someone who simply believes in Jesus. I mean, we can do Barna studies. Barna studies tell us that 70% 
of people in America believe in God or some form of God and believe that if they died today, they would go to some kind of heaven? 70%. So a believer isn't someone who just believes in Jesus. A believer is not someone who says, I like parts of the Bible. This is real popular in 2018. We like certain parts of the Bible that talk about grace. We like certain parts that talk about God the Father. But we like to forget about what Jesus has said. Anybody ever realize that, like, when Jesus spoke, it wasn't always, like, kind? Like, he was, like, he was pretty forthright. He was really honest. I think a lot of times we were like, oh, man, I wish Jesus would preach to us. No, you don't. You know what I mean? You'd probably leave the church, to be honest. A believer is not someone who says, I'm a believer only in good times. Right? This happens all the time, too. I like, oh, I really love Jesus when he's blessing me. I really like Jesus when things are going well in my job and my house and my family. Listen, a believer is someone who says, this is the word of God, and I will build the foundation of my life, my future, my soul upon the truth of the word of God. That's what a believer is. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 says this, study this book of instructions continuously. I love instructions. This is a book of instructions. It is a book that gives us wisdom and understanding about who we are on this earth, why we're on this earth, and what we're called to be on this earth. Amen? It gives us identity of why we're here. Goes on to say, meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything that is written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. I don't know about you, but prospering and succeeding in this life is a high priority on my list. Like, that's, like, that's a big deal. And I hope it is to you. But the Bible's super clear. When I build my life, and listen, I, I told students this for years as a youth pastor. I said, people will say to you, you're ignorant for doing that. But I always say, I'll be the most ignorant person ever standing before Jesus, really happy someday. Really happy. So, one of the biggest switches to be made in the life of a believer, okay, has to do with one topic, and it's this. And the topic is money, okay? And we're going to talk about money today. Now, I know in church, okay, in church, we go, there are two things we don't talk about in church, right, okay? We don't talk about politics in church, and we don't talk about money in church, okay? We don't like these things. You're going to step on people's toes. People might get offended. They might leave. You know what I say to that? See you later. I'm not here to appease you. I'm here to pastor you. I'm here to shepherd you. I'm here to lead you, just as Jesus would do, too. And the reality is this. Jesus talks a lot about both of these topics in the Bible, okay, a lot. Like, let, let's, take, let's take this first one, politics, okay? We got an election coming up. Can I just say, go out and vote, please, in the name of Jesus, okay? And let me remind you of something. Somebody said to me one time, they said, are you a Democrat 
or a Republican. I said, I am the kingdom of heaven in Jesus' name. They said, how do you vote? I said, the kingdom of heaven. That's how I vote. Paul made it really clear that we're not citizens of this world, but we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So as a believer in Christ, I'm not a citizen. I am a citizen of America, but I am more a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and I will vote according to the kingdom of heaven. So if my vote counts and my vote matters, and when I stand before Jesus someday, I'm going to give an account for what I did with my life. I'm going to make sure that what I vote is, has the value system of the kingdom of heaven. Amen? I'm not going to get wrapped up in political games. I'm going to get wrapped up in what matters to Jesus. Babies matter to Jesus. Can I get an amen, somebody, okay? I'm going to vote for morality. I'm going to vote for what is right. I'm going to vote for the kingdom of heaven. Please, please let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you and get out and vote. It is so crucial. It matters. But today, we're going to talk about money, okay? Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. This is Jesus talking, okay? And I think a lot of times when we talk about money, we go, okay, help me understand where Jesus talked about it. This is exactly where Jesus talks about it. Verse 19, it says this. Don't keep hoarding for yourself earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Verse 20, instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourself that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose its value. Verse 21, it says this. For your hearts will always pursue what you value as your treasure. AKA, what is Jesus saying? You will put your money where your heart is. Your money and your heart, they flow together. So I always say, listen, show me your bank account and I will show you where your heart is. Show me your bank account. I'll see, man, oh man, you really love Starbucks. I mean, it is just, it is there in the bank statement, okay? Like, you, you have a high value for coffee, okay? Now, we all have high values for different things. But this is what Jesus is talking about. Verse 22, it says, The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. Verse 23. But if your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate the darkness that takes its place. How profound will it be, the darkness within you, if the light of the truth cannot enter? What is Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, when we are focused on money, it is really hard for truth to enter into our souls. And Jesus has a lot of truth as it relates to finances. But he's saying, listen, a lot of times people's hearts are just hardened. As soon as you start talking about money, you go, oh, man, the church is greedy. Right? That's the first thing we think in our head. Oh, man, the church is greedy. All the church ever wants is my money. Listen, we're just going to call it, look, I'm as real as it gets. And we're going to call a spade a spade. This is exactly what happens. And our hearts are hardened. And as soon as our heart is hardened, the light of the truth of the word of God cannot penetrate our souls. And God can't bring revelation and understanding to our heart. Verse 24. 
How could you worship two gods at the same time? What two gods is Jesus talking about? How many of you remember the story of the rich young ruler? The rich young ruler, he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus says, great, take all of your possessions, sell it, give the money to the poor, and you come follow me. And the rich young ruler is sad and he walks away. Why is he sad and why does he walk away? Because he realizes that he worships not Jesus, but he worships the God of stuff. He worships all of his stuff. He likes all of his stuff. And he's not going to let go of all of his stuff. goes on to say this. You will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while you are chained and slave to the God, the little g, the God of money. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says this, And God will generously provide all you need. We should get it. We should, people should be standing up and running and, 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 and praising God right now. It says, this is God's word. He says, God will generously provide all that you need. I've shared this story before. We were unemployed, just was seven or eight months pregnant with our son Michael that's sitting right here on the front row today and 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 I had no job and I had no money and I had no way to take care of my wife let alone a new son that was coming into our life and I'll never forget I was up for days I was sick I was worried anybody ever had that feeling about money before you're you're just in knots and you're in turmoil and and I remember it was about two o'clock in the morning and I'm praying and I'm talking to the Lord about this and he said he said son this isn't your job that is my son and I know how to take care of him you just follow me and trust me, and I assure you, I will take care of all of his needs for the rest of his life. Why? Because God goes, I'm the one who generously provides everything you need. I'm a good God. I'm a good dad. We just did a whole series about God the Father and his goodness and his love and his mercy. And he says, I'm that one. Goes on to say this, and then you will have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. This is the blessed to be a blessing life. Blessed to be a blessing. Verse 10, it says this, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. Look at your neighbor and say, don't eat your seed. Okay, look at your neighbor and say, don't eat your seed. Okay, don't, don't eat, don't eat your seed. Look. A smart farmer understands that he does what with his seed? He has to sow his seed. Any good farmer, if you go talk to any farmer in Ohio and you say, what do you do with your seed? He'll go, you know what? In, um, in the spring, we'll go out and we'll cultivate the land and then we will plant, we will sow the seed. Why? Because a good farmer understands as I sow the seed, I'm going to then have it watered, time is going to come, and then what's going to happen? Harvest time is going to come, right? But too often in life, God provides seed. What is seed? It is the resource that we have. It's the finances that we have, and God provides seed to us. And what do we do with our seed? We just eat our seed. Our seed is already spent before we even get it. I remember seasons like that. 
where I, I remember I had, I probably had every paycheck spent for the next six months. I knew, I knew exactly. We were just eating our seed. And God said, I'm the one who provides seed to the sower. What's his promise? He's saying, listen, to those who sow, I give more seed. Okay, I, I talked about this. I talked about this one time. Okay, it's kind of like this in the kingdom of God. You sow, and then time happens. Amen. I love it. You have, so you have time, and then you have harvest. Okay? But during the time, I sow again. Are we catching this? So I sow, time, harvest. But then I'm in time, I sow again, harvest. So what's going to happen? Eventually, it's going to catch up where I'm always going so harvest, so harvest, because I'm always in sowing. I'm consistently sowing. So God is saying, listen, I'm the one who brings the seed to sow. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 10, it says this. Should people cheat God, yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me with the tithes and the offerings due to me. So let's talk about this, okay? What's the tithe? It is 10%. (laughs) Oh, golly. It's like you could just drop a pin right now. You know what I mean? 10%. You know what God says about 10%? He says it's mine. It's his. So the reality is this. That the 10% is his, meaning this, I'm returning to him what is his, right? So it's kind of like this. It's like, um, it's like if you get a loan for a car, okay, and they give you money for the car. When you make your payment to the bank, you're not like, man, I'm being really generous to the bank today. You know what I mean? Like, I just felt like this morning I'd wake up and just bless the bank and, you know, just, I, I want to make sure that the bank is feeling really good about themselves today. No, what are you doing? You're returning to the bank what is rightfully theirs, correct? Okay, so what does God say? He says, listen, I'm going to bring resource into your life, but I want you to know that the 10%, 10%, it's mine. You return to me what is rightfully mine. So then it goes on to talk about offerings. What are offerings? Offerings is what we do above the 10%. Offering is what then I go, I want to bless the kingdom of God. I want to bless, you know, the works of the Lord. So we have to come to this place. And this is, and listen, I'm going to be really honest with you. It's hard, okay? It's, it's not, it's just not, it's not easy, but it's God's plan. And God's plan works, okay? We learn to go, I'm just returning to God what is his, and then I'm going, God, what else do you want me to do? Which makes no sense. Can we just be honest? You know what I mean? It makes no sense to go, we're going to live off 90. It makes no sense to go, we're going to live off 80. But I, I, I can't explain it to you, but God is really, really good at keeping great records. And he knows exactly what you need long before you know what you need. And he knows exactly how to take really good care of you. 
I promise you that. Verse 9, it says this, you are under a curse. What is he talking about? He's going, listen, you don't bring the tithe to me. You're under a curse. For, for you and your whole nation has been cheating me. Verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. Okay, so what is God saying? He's saying, bring your tithe into my house. Okay, so, okay. so who established the church? God did. This was his plan. This is his plan to redeem mankind back to him. He loves people. He loves you. He loves your kids. He loves your friends that are not yet here. He loves your family members that are not yet here. So God goes, I'm going to establish the church, a place that will reach out and rescue these people back to my heart so I can redeem their souls so that they can live in eternity with me. Amen? Great plan, right? So God establishes the church for what? To feed, tend, and love people. That's the mission of Elevate Church. We want to feed you the word of God. We want to shepherd your life, and we want to love people. Sounds good, right? Amen? Okay, great. Two, we want to also grow you and your children. Listen, it is, it is one of the burning passions of my soul that your children that come to Elevate Church grow up with an understanding of who they are in Christ. They grow up to be mature at a young age. They grow up with a sense of who God is. They grow up with the power of the Holy Spirit so that when they get into high school and they get into college, they won't be deceived by the earth. Amen? They won't be deceived by the world. It is our desire and plan to raise up your your children to raise up your home. God established the church so that we could reach your friends, so that we could reach your family members. God established the church so that we could reach out to the world. That's why we support Waweza. Those kids are hungry. Those kids have no homes. Those kids have no families. That's why we support Brazil because these kids, there are hundreds of thousands of kids that are living on the streets that need Jesus and they need a warm home and they need bread to eat and they need somebody to take care of and we need to reach out to the people in Jerusalem because they're lost and they don't even know they're lost but Jesus is coming back and we got to reach them so Jesus establishes his church amen the church of Jesus Christ and the church of Jesus Christ matters in 2018 amen so God establishes his church but God says bring the tithe into my house my house. Why? So that there'll be meat in my house. What is God saying? What is Jesus saying? He's saying, listen, we can't do this without money. We can't do it. We can't reach your friends, your family, your kids. We can't do it. So God says, bring the tithe, my tithe, bring my tithe into my house so that there'll be meat in my house to accomplish what I'm trying to do in the earth. Churches are weak. They are weak because there's no meat in the house. They're constantly going, how are we going to accomplish what Jesus has called us to do? Because there's no meat in the house. Now, granted, there are lots of churches that make very foolish mistakes. 
Now, I can tell you this. We are 100% debt-free as a church. We are going to stay that way. I don't believe in debt. We're not going down those roads. When you tithe, we're going to take that money and we're going to sow it into the world. We're going to sow it into the kingdom. We're not going to be slaves to debt in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? Okay, so we are going to be good stewards of the tithe. But we need meat in the house to accomplish all that God has called us to do. This is what his promise is. He says this, this. if you do this, says the Lord of the heavens, I will open up the windows of heaven on you. And I will pour out blessings so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. And then he even goes on and says, try it. Put me to the test. Pretty sure it's the only place in the word of God that God goes, you can test me on this one. I'm so confident about this that you can literally test me, the God of the heavens and the earth, the one who created you, made you, put breath into your lungs, puts grace on your life, you can come test me on this one. This is how confident God is. But this is also how serious God is. God is serious. Why? Because he's got a plan. He's got a mission. He's got a mission to fulfill in Cincinnati, Ohio. He's got a mission to fulfill in Liberty Township. And he needs all of us to have me in this house to do what God has called us to do. So this is what it looks like. Every paycheck we choose, okay? And this is the ultimate test of free will, okay? This is free will at its finest. This is the garden at its finest. You want to see the garden relived over and over again, it's every time we get paid. Every time God brings this into our hands. It is the ultimate test of free will. It is our choice. And we either choose to say, you know what? This money that I possess is in agreement with the kingdom of God or it is in the agreement of the kingdom of darkness. My money agrees with one or the other. Let me make this abundantly clear. It's not a happy medium. It's either I choose the kingdom of darkness with my money or I choose the kingdom of light with my money. Now, when I choose the kingdom of darkness, it represents what? Selfishness, focus on myself, greediness. This is not the kingdom of God. God said, I gave my son first before you could ever make a choice. I'm going to give first, because that's what kind of God I am. I am Jehovah Jireh, and I will meet all of your needs according to your, my riches and glory, and I'm a good God that knows how to take good care of you, and I'll take care of you long before you can even take care of yourself. I'll send Jesus to die for your sins, my son, for you. Okay? Now, when I'm in agreement with the kingdom of God, it looks like this. Okay? It looks like this. It says this. I agree that God is good. I'm in agreement. And I'm in agreement that the word of God is the highest authority of my life. 
right? Because you only put your money with what you agree with. You only give your money to what you listen. You give your money to the light company because you agree that they're going to turn the lights off and you don't like having the lights turned off. Can I get an amen from somebody? So you agree with the light company. So I agree with the kingdom of God. Okay. I also agree that God will never steal, rob, or cheat my life. He is not a God who robs. He's a God who blesses. He's a God that is good. He's a God that will take good care of me and my family. I agree with that. I agree that I do not serve the God of money, but I serve the God of Jehovah. Jehovah, my God, Jesus Christ, I serve him, and I am not serving the little God of money. I agree with that. Okay, I agree that I believe that we should have meat in the house of God. I agree that we need meat in the house to take care of all that Jesus has called us to do as Elevate Church. Okay, I agree that I will take what costs the most. Okay, because isn't that what money is? It's the one thing that will cost you the most, right? Because we all go, well, I'll just give my time. I'll give my energy. No, 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 no. Money is what will truly cost you the most. So you are saying, I agree to give something that will cost me the most, just like my heavenly father gave me what cost him the most. He gave me his son. So I am in agreement with the kingdom of heaven. And when I'm in agreement with the kingdom of heaven, I can stand boldly and confidently that whenever trouble comes my way, whenever hell comes against me, I just go, you know what? I believe in the cross of Jesus Christ, and he's my father, and he'll take care of all my needs according to his riches and glory. He is a good God, and I have no fear in Jesus' name because I'm in agreement with the kingdom of God. Now, let me be clear about this. For Elevate Church to reach who God has called us to reach, meaning you, meaning your kids, your friends, your family. For Elevate Church to be who we are called to be, we have got to have meat in the house. Right? It's exciting to talk about a new building. Do you know what a new building is? It's a lot of mature believers that go, we believe in Elevate Church. And we don't believe it with just our mouth. We believe it with our finances. And we're standing with this. And the reality is this. We need mature believers. Mature believers. Because here's the reality. Listen, there was a time that me and Jess weren't mature believers. Right? It was a time our finances were so messed up. You know, I, I remember one time I showed this. I have this check in my closet that I'll never, I'll never let go. It's from uh, checking the cash place. You know those places that are like, oh, we'll lend you $600 at like 500% interest. You know what I mean? And 
and we're going to rob you blindly. And, I, and I'll never forget, we, our, our finances were so messed up. I remember I went and, and took out $600, and, and then, you know, I realized quickly I was, you know, kind of getting into debt on that, and then I took out another $600, and then I took out another $600, and then I took out another. So I had four different places. Four. Four. And I remember the Holy Spirit came, and he kicked my butt. And he said, if you, if you just do it my way, life will be a whole lot easier, son. And so in that season that I was paying back all these different places, we decided we were going to tithe. And that's the key because here's the deal. A lot of times the enemy will go, well, you can tithe someday when you get things right. No, no, no. You tithe, you start doing it right away. So we started tithing, and I don't know how, because I don't, we didn't have enough money to tithe. We didn't have enough money to eat. We didn't have enough money to return the money back to those checking the cash places. And I don't know what happened, but somehow, like, I remember I started getting side jobs and side jobs and side jobs, and I started making money and money and money, and all of a sudden, we paid back. And I'll never forget the day I paid back that last check, and the Lord said, you hold on to this check. So to be a reminder to never go back. You're never going back. Worship team, you guys, come on up. Listen, I want you to understand something. This next season is going to be such a beautiful season for all of us, okay? Now, look at your neighbor to the left or the right, okay? okay? Just, just, see, just see how close. Don't, don't start playing yet, okay? Just, just see how close you are, okay? How awesome is it going to be when we like, oh, my gosh, I can move my arms in Jesus' name. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, how nice is that going to be? I mean, how exciting is it going to be when we can drop off our kids and go, wow, there's four, there's four walls on this, on, this, on this thing, okay? I mean, my kid can, like, not, like, run through this wall, like, in Jesus' name. Listen, it's, listen, we have exciting, dynamic times that God's going to take us in. Listen, I'm telling you right now, we're going to go from about 200 to 600 like that. It's going to be so fast. And God, I believe, is holding back people because there's just no room. But as soon as we walk in that place, I promise you, they're going to flood in because people are hungry and they're desperate for Jesus. And sometimes they don't even know it. But God needs a house. He needs people that are mature to go, you know what? We're going to put the kingdom of God first and foremost.